Tucker Carlson breaks new videotape showing never-before-seen details of January 6th. And those details are shocking. New scandals break surrounding just what Anthony Fauci and CNN did to cover up the Chinese lab leak theory. And an Antifa attack on a police facility in Atlanta implicates an employee at the Southern Poverty Law Center. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So the January 6th Capitol riot, which has become basically the touchstone for not only all of American politics for the last several years, but all of world politics. A lot of that was rooted in the footage that we were allowed to see. Tucker Carlson was given access by Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, to 40,000 hours of heretofore unreleased footage from January 6th. And as Tucker made clear, the vast majority of that footage was kind of empty rooms or there was nothing going on in the footage. But there's some aspects of the footage that are rather telling because what we were told about January 6th is that not only was it a riot, we saw outside, obviously, the footage exists. We all watched it in real time. There was, in fact, a riot outside the Capitol building in which windows were broken and police officers were attacked and all of the rest. But what we were told is that the pictures that were shown inside the building, it was universally of rioters. It wasn't just two groups of people. So the, the, the reality is that what happened is they riot began from a rally. The rally was, was perfectly legal. And then there was outside the Capitol building, a rally, a certain percentage of those people rioted. They went into the Capitol building and many of the people who went into the Capitol building actually were not rioters. Many of the people who went into the building, there were allegations at the time, were guided into the building by police officers. The doors were open for them. They were guided around the Capitol. And we were told by the media that a lot of that stuff just didn't happen. And in fact, many of the images that we were shown of January 6th featured certain people who were the faces of the riot, people who apparently had violently broke into the Capitol building, attacked police officers, and then had rampaged through the building. Now, again, there were some people who did that, but many of the images that we were shown, as it turns out, were not true, as Tucker showed last night. So the most obvious example of this was QAnon Shaman. So if there's one picture that sort of exemplifies the January 6th day, and again, this became the tip of the spear, January 6th, for a wide variety of activities that are un-American in the extreme. And I'm not just talking about riots themselves. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't riot and break into the Capitol building based on the false pretext that you're going to overturn the results of a duly certified election at the state level. Right? That is, in fact, un-American. Right? Trying to overturn a certified election is not a thing that Americans should do because that's illegal. But what I'm talking about here is the reaction to January 6th. The reaction to January 6th was to throw Donald Trump off of all social media. It was to paint all Republicans as rioters, as people who are involved in criminality. As it turns out, even a huge majority of the people who are at the Capitol and in the Capitol that day were not, in fact, rioters. And then it became the global pretext for the attack on democracy routine from the globalized left. Basically, any time a right winger would win an election anywhere globally, it turned into this is just like January 6th. It's an attack on democracy. And what needs to happen is that we need to stop the right wingers who are complicit in January 6th. January 6th became the rallying cry. And what you heard from the left is that January 6th was just as an important inflection point in American history as, for example, September 11th, when 3,000 Americans were murdered at the Twin Towers and at the Pentagon. What we heard is that all of American politics had to be recapitulated around this signal inflection point, this signal moment in American history. Well, as it turns out from a lot of the footage, the media accounts were, in fact, exaggerated. Now, Again, this does not mean there wasn't a riot at the Capitol building. It doesn't mean the police officers weren't attacked. We saw all of that footage. But what the footage that, that Tucker showed last night showed is that some of the narratives that we were told were just flat out wrong. They were flat out lies, in fact, because if members of the 
January 6th committee saw the footage and then they said these things. It turns out that some of those things were not true. And that is a serious problem because, again, the, the same people who are out there claiming that conspiracists are becoming more common. Oh, my God, conspiracy theories, they're, they're flying well. You know, it's a great way to feed conspiracy theories. A great way to feed conspiracy theories is to lie to people and then hide footage from them for two years. And then finally, when the footage emerges, it turns out that there's some pretty significant details that should have been mentioned in the coverage of January 6th. And two things can be true at once, as I'm very fond of saying. One, January 6th, the actual riots were really bad. They made America look terrible. They were predicated on a falsehood, which is that, again, the election was capable of being overturned by Mike Pence in the Senate or some such nonsense. There was no actual legal theory that held that and that was credible in any real sort of way. That can be true. And at the same time, it can be totally true that the media decided that January 6th was the most important thing that had ever happened in American history. And they were going to use this each and every day. And that the Democrats were going to use this going forward into 2022 as the basis for their election. And in 2024, they plan to use this again as the basis of their election. Both of those things can be true. It can be true people did bad things. It can also be true. And, and criminal things. And some of the people who are in the Capitol building actually did deserve to go to jail. And it can also be true that some of the people who are in the Capitol building were basically let in by the cops. And that the media decided that the threat to democracy was far graver than what actually happened on January 6th. Remember, we were told that democracy was nearly overthrown on January 6th. That was nonsense. The building was clear within two hours, and the Senate was moving forward with the business of certifying the election, led by a Republican Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, and a Republican Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence. So the idea that democracy was ever in serious threat because of droogs and idiots breaking into the Capitol building and a few of those people running around and, and threatening violence and shouting in the halls Without, by the way, firearms. I mean, again, we were told this was an armed insurrection. Armed would actually imply that there were, you know, firearms on the premises. And as it turns out, the, the only person who was shot and killed that day was an unarmed rider, Ashley Babbitt, by a police officer. Okay, so what, what, what did Tucker actually show? We'll get to that in just a second, because it really is shocking. It's kind of, like, honestly, as, as just an observer of politics, someone who covers this stuff at a pretty granular level, I was shocked by some of the footage that Tucker showed last night. We'll get to that in just one second. First, if the idea is that you shouldn't trust a lot of people out there, big tech, the government, because they have narratives and they push those narratives, why would you trust them with your data? I don't trust them with my data. It's one of the reasons why I use ExpressVPN. It's important to have a VPN to protect your online privacy, but choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market, and here is why. Number one, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Other cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers. ExpressVPN doesn't do this. Number two, speed. ExpressVPN engineered a new VPN protocol to make user speed faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past. They can sometimes slow up your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast. That's important to me. I run an internet company. Number three, ExpressVPN is super easy to use. You click one button, you download it, you click another button, you're ready to go because now ExpressVPN is running and protecting you. It's not just me saying this. This is Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN on planet Earth. Get the VPN I trust to protect my online privacy. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. Get some more on this in just one moment. First, You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, 
ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past. They can sometimes slow your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN... Really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. Okay, so there were two real major revelations from Tucker last night. And they have to do with two major sort of visual and, and also factual claims that were made by the Democrats, by Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney on the January 6th committee, and by the media. So claim number one was that QAnon Shaman was the chief rioter, right? This was, he was on the cover of literally every magazine in America, every newspaper in America. He was a violent rioter who was attempting to assault police officers. He was a danger to himself and others. And well... Tucker showed footage last night that kind of blows that narrative up. The footage shows QAnon Shaman, right? That, that, was, that was what he was named, the QAnon Shaman, walking through, his name is Jacob Chansley, the one who's wearing the horns and the, and the weird walking around shirtless and, and carrying a staff and all of this. It shows, the footage shows him literally being guided through the Capitol building by police officers, being guided through the building by police officers. Two of them walk him through the entirety of the building. They're walking him to various doors. They're unlocking doors for him. They walk past seven other police officers. They don't even look at him, these seven other police officers. They actually escort him to various chambers, various entrances of the main chamber, right? That's the chamber where he ended up like planting himself behind the podium. And eventually they actually open the door for him. I mean, that's an amazing thing. So he did a jailhouse interview with Tucker Carlson. He said, the one serious regret I have is believing that when we were waved in by police officers, that it was acceptable. The Capitol Police said that one of the officers that Chansley was trying to deal with was trying to, quote unquote, de-escalate the situation because he was outnumbered. But again, he walked past nine police officers. At that point, he wasn't outnumbered. In fact, at no point in this tape are the police officers outnumbered. Why are two of them, if, if they're outnumbered, why are there two of them and one of him? If the idea is that they were trying to de-escalate, well, I mean, they could have just handcuffed him. I mean, there were like nine of them there. I get police officers trying to do their job. I get that they were outnumbered that day, but they weren't outnumbered with regard to this guy. When there are nine police officers around one guy, that doesn't count as outnumbering, technically speaking. So here is the footage. And again, it's kind of shocking because the only imagery that you've seen of Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, is him bellowing from behind the podium, right? People hanging from the rafters over in the, over in the Senate chamber. But... He was escorted into the building by the cops and then escorted around the building by the cops. What in the actual hell? What the hell? Here's the footage. Our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Look at this, he's just strolling around. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show Look the at Capitol this. Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. 
We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Look Jacob at this. Chansley. They're not outnumbered. Not one of them even There's one guy and they're down. walking him through. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. He's saying, thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed to allow these police officers to allow us in the building. And that's the picture of him, you know, behind the, the speaker's desk at the, at the, in the Capitol building. Thanking the cops. Thanking the co- Like, that's a shocking thing, is it not? Because that's not what you were told. That's not what I was told. No one, no one was told that. The, the January 6th committee had full access to all of this tape. They never showed you that tape. They never showed you that tape, which is, frankly, scary. Again, it, it prevents people from believing the idea that two things can be true at once. It turns people into conspiracy theorists because there is a conspiracy when it turns out that you had the footage and you didn't release it. That's relevant, is it not? You know, the whole point of an adversarial justice system, typically speaking, is the defense and the prosecution get to see the material and then all of it enters the public light and then people can make judgments. That's the whole idea of, for example, a trial. In this particular case, this is a public trial, right? It was a public trial over what actually happened on January 6th. We got to watch it in real time, but only part of it in real time. The rest of it was kept off limits. We were never allowed to see it. It was, it was done behind closed doors. Like, that's, that's relevant to your judgment of what happened inside the building that day. Again, that doesn't change that the people who actually committed violent acts should be in, people who commit violent acts should go to jail. It doesn't change the fact that people who stormed the Capitol building that day were doing so on the basis of a falsehood told by Donald Trump and by others that the election was capable of being overturned if you yelled at Mike Pence loud enough. Okay, none of that changed. But what does change is the idea that this guy was like a true threat to American. He was walking through the Capitol escorted by the cops. Or the idea that the vast majority of people inside the building, they were all violent rioters who were looking to do violent damage to legislators, for example. Like what, it makes you doubt the evidence, considering that there's also footage of people walking in queue lines through the Capitol building. None of that was made public by Congress. None of that was made public by the January 6th committee, which is one of the reasons why Kevin McCarthy presumably handed it to Tucker. By the way, Jacob Chansley, just for the record, He was sentenced in 2021 to 41 months in prison. He acknowledged using a bullhorn to rile up the mob, offering thanks in a prayer while in a center for having the chance to get rid of traitors and scratching out a threatening note to Vice President Mike Pence saying, it's only a matter of time. Justice is coming. He's not accused of violence. He wasn't in the trial. But prosecutors say he was the public face of the Capitol riot who went into the attack with a weapon, ignored repeated police officers to leave the building and gloated about his actions. Okay, where are the repeated police officers telling him to leave the building in that tape? He said he wasn't an insurrectionist. And he said he was troubled with the way he was portrayed in a news story in the aftermath of the riots. I have no excuse. My behavior was indefensible. The judge said what you did was terrible. You made yourself the center of the riot. But again, you know, presumably this stuff was, was brought up. Why was this brought up at trial? Like what happened in his trial? And let's be real about this. In a lot of states in America right now, you can rape people and get less of a sentence than Jacob Chansley got for apparently being escorted around the Capitol building by police officers before giving a speech into a microphone and scrawling out a bizarre note to Mike Pence. And what the hell? How was that not revealed to the public? Where is our responsible media? Why weren't they calling for that to be revealed to the public? As we'll see, there are some more lies that we were told about what exactly happened on January 6th. And those lies ended up imploding as lies tend to do. Get to that in just one second. First, when you're running a business, the last thing you think about is HR. I know when we started a business, you don't think about HR. You think about, you know, Making, making schedules and making sure that you have your goods and products and services actually 
created and ready to go. You don't think about HR problems, but the problem is the thing that can bankrupt your business is HR. If you do not have a good HR team, if you do not have people who have crafted HR policies, you can absolutely be put into bankruptcy by litigious people or by people who are correct in saying that you violated HR policy. This is why you need Bambi. Bambi gives you access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just 99 bucks per month. This person is available to you by phone, email, and real-time chat. They'll help you run employee onboardings, terminations, and performance reviews. With Bambi's HR autopilot feature, you can automate important HR practices like setting policies, employee training, and feedback procedures. All of Bambi's HR managers are based in the United States and can support the nuances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at just $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com. Bambi.com, type in Ben Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, not only do blinds enhance the aesthetic appeal of your home, they also offer practical benefits. By effectively blocking out harmful UV rays, they help protect your furniture and flooring from fading, ensuring your interiors retain their beauty for years to come. Their insulating properties help regulate the temperature inside your home, keeping it comfortable year-round while potentially reducing your energy bills. With over 40,000 five-star reviews, Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. You can measure and install them yourself or have Blinds.com send local professionals to take care of the installation for you. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no matter how many, or installation is just one low cost. And if you don't have an eye for design, Blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatments for your windows. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale right now through March 13th for up to 50% off. Again, save up to 50% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. And when you check out, don't forget to tell them you heard about them at the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. So again, that tape of the quote-unquote QAnon shaman is shocking. In the, It's extraordinary. Police officers walking this guy around. He was the face of violent insurrection in the United States, and literally he was being walked around by the cops into the chamber. That's an amazing tape. There's another piece of amazing tape that Tucker showed, and that amazing piece of tape was tape of Officer Brian Sicknick. Now, you'll recall that Officer Sicknick was made the face of the people hurt by the riot. Right? The idea was that Brian Sicknick had been killed by the rioters. In fact, the New York Times reported there's a headline from April, uh, from January 8th, 2021. Rather, this is the headline, January 8th, 2021. Quote, Capitol Police Officer Dies from Injuries in Pro-Trump Rampage. And this is the headline from the New York Times. That officer was Brian Sicknick. The subhead said, The death of the officer, Brian Sicknick, appeared likely to lead to calls for profound changes to the Capitol Police, a centuries-old force. And the article said, A United States Capitol Police Officer died on Thursday night from injuries sustained while physically engaging with pro-Trump rioters who descended on the U.S. Capitol the day before, the fifth fatality linked to the chaos that engulfed the nation's capital on Wednesday, according to the authorities. Now, again, when they say the fifth fatality linked to the chaos, they're talking about Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by a cop. They're talking about Sicknick, who, as we'll see in a second, did not die from being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, which was the actual original report. And then there were some people in the crowd who had heart attacks. Later, there would be some police officers who committed suicide, but that's not directly linkable to the January 6th riot. According to the New York Times, the officer, Sicknick, was only the fourth member of the force to be killed in the line of duty since its founding two centuries ago. And you'll recall that his death then prompted Democrats to have him lie in in state. And they they did a whole ceremony. And Joe Biden went to visit and and all the rest. Now, it was only, I mean, a a few months later, there was an actual police officer murdered at at the Capitol building by a person who drove a car 
over him, I believe the case was. And it turned out to be a person who is not of the political right. That person didn't, you don't know that guy's name because he wasn't Brian Sicknick. You all know Brian Sicknick's name because he became the face. Again, there were two faces that were presented to January 6th. One was QAnon Chairman, who it turns out was being basically guided around the Capitol building. And the second person was Brian Sicknick, who was supposedly murdered by the rioters. Well, what the footage actually shows, as Tucker revealed, is that after apparently he was supposedly murdered, right? I mean, after he'd sustained the life-threatening injuries, according to the media and according to the narrative, he was walking around pretty spry. I mean, here is some of the tape from Tucker. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie that Democrats have told us about January 6th. Remember, the New York Times report said, quote, the circumstances surrounding Mr. Sicknick's death were not immediately clear. Capitol Police said only that he had, quote, passed away due to injury sustained while on duty. Law enforcement officials initially said Sicknick was struck with a fire extinguisher. But weeks later, police sources and investigators were at odds over whether he was even hit. Medical experts have said he did not die of blunt force trauma, according to one law enforcement official. And of course, weeks later, the New York Times had to correct its report because, as it turns out, it wasn't true. As it turns out, Brian Sicknick died of a multiplicity of other causes. And it is not clear. The evidence just does not exist that he died because he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher or that his death had was directly connectable, in fact, with the events of January 6th. In fact, in April of 2021, according to the U.S. Capitol Police, a medical examiner found that Brian Sicknick died of natural causes. Quote, the USCP, that's the Capitol Police, accepts the findings from the District of Columbia's Office of the Chief Medical Examiner that Brian Sicknick died of natural causes. This does not change the fact that Sicknick died in the line of duty courageously defending Congress and the Capitol. So, uh, again, it, it, it does a little. I mean, again, it, not that, that he wasn't courageous defending the Capitol. That's all fine. But the, the, the clear evidence that he died because he was hit with the, with the fire extinguisher does not exist. I mean, according to NPR, Sicknick died after suffering strokes, according to the office of the chief medical examiner, Dr. Francisco Diaz. In an interview, Diaz told the Washington Post that Sicknick suffered two strokes. He was sprayed with a chemical substance outside the Capitol on January 6th, but did not suffer an allergic reaction to the chemical irritants dispensed by the rioters, nor was there evidence of internal or external injuries. At approximately 10 p.m., he, 10 p.m. he collapsed at the Capitol, was transported to a local hospital and died about 24 hours later. Again, they, they tried to open a murder investigation into his death. That's inconclusive because it's not clear exactly how he died in the first place. And as that tape shows, you know, again, the idea that he was hit in the head and, and then suffered injuries, they dragged him away and then he died at a hospital. That that obviously is not true. These sorts of details matter when you are rolling out a narrative, which presumably is why we never saw these details until this very moment. Well, in just one second, we'll get to the reactions from various sides of the aisle to the new footage that's been released by the House Republicans to Tucker Carlson. First, Simple fact, dudes don't like going to the doctor. It's time-consuming, expensive, in some cases, embarrassing. This is why RexMD exists. RexMD is FDA-approved. It's the most trusted leader in men's telehealth. They made it simple, easy, and cost-effective to help men feel more confident in the boudoir. RexMD makes getting generic and branded Viagra or Cialis easy. Everything is online, even the prescription. They deliver it discreetly to your door. No waiting rooms, no embarrassing trips to the doctor, no insurance, no co-pays. Take advantage of their best deal ever right now. Save up to 90% off, pay as low as 2 bucks per dosage, 
with our exclusive link. Go to rexmd.com slash Ben for this limited time deal. They're also here to make sure that you save big. Viagra can cost like 90 bucks a pill. RexMD as generic is effective, just as effective, for as low as two bucks a pill. They've already helped 350,000 guys gain confidence and get the medical care that they need. Take advantage of their St. Patrick's Day sale by heading to rexmd.com slash Ben. My exclusive deal saves you up to 90% off because again, you're paying as low as two bucks per dose on generic Viagra instead of 90 bucks plus on Viagra itself. Starter packs of generic Viagra Cialis are now available for listeners to get started. That is rexmd.com slash Ben for up to 90% off. Okay, so the, the fallout here has been, of course, absolutely polarized. Donald Trump put out a statement on Truth Social saying, congratulations to Tucker Carlson on one of the biggest scoops as a reporter in U.S. history. The new surveillance footage of the January 6th events sheds an entirely different light on what actually happened. The unselect committee was a giant scam and has now unequivocally been stamped as criminal fabricators of this most important day. Pelosi and McConnell failed on security. And well, I mean, that's clearly true. I mean, uh, who ran the Capitol Police? If, that, if that's the responsibility of the House and the Senate, then yeah, the Capitol Police were understaffed. The Capitol Police were guiding around QAnon Shaman, like around the, the, the place. The police story is sad and difficult to watch. Trump, and mo- Trump puts himself in quotes, Trump, and most others are totally innocent. Let them go free now. Well, I'm at, Donald Trump isn't under arrest, but you know the fact of the matter is that again, what, what's amazing is that our media and our polarized political environment are so extreme right now that people were willing to essentially leave this landmine lying around in the hopes that no one would discover it for years on end, knowing that there was a possibility that it was going to blow up in Democrats' faces. So Democrats literally did not reveal this footage, which they could have done. By the way, if they'd brought this out in the January 6th committee, if they'd said, you know, guys, we just want to tell you the whole story here. The whole story is that there was a riot at the Capitol building. It was a small percentage of people who had started off at a much, much larger rally for Donald Trump. And then there were a bunch of people went to the Capitol. And of those people, a percentage broke into the Capitol building. And of the percentage who broke into the Capitol building, a small percentage were violent and, and terrible. And those people should go to jail. And then there were people who just didn't know better. And they were walked up and they saw the police escorting them in. They figured, hey, that's a police officer. He's going to arrest me if I'm doing something wrong, right? If they had said that, then there would be nothing to explode. There would be no landmine here. Instead, they decided that they were going to cover this up. And again, they were going to make the faces of the media coverage. Brian Sicknick. And the, the officer who was supposedly murdered by the, the Capitol rioters. Again, the evidence does not support that at this point and probably never supported that. And second, that QAnon shaman was the great grand leader of this bizarre escapade. And by the way, we were supposed to also believe that the guy who was dressed in the buffalo horns, that that guy was going to lead like a, a full-on violent insurrection that was going to take down democracy in the most powerful country in the history of the world. That guy. That was the narrative. And then it blew up in their face. So obviously they're mad that it blew up in their face. And they're they're very upset that Tucker Carlson was given this footage in the first place. So CNN this morning was reacting to Tucker revealing this footage. And here is what they had to say. But I mean, this is, again, the, the danger of when uh, Kevin McCarthy and this also relationship that we're talking about with Fox News. Look at the, the situation that they're in now with Dominion. Um, but then this is the danger of not fairness, unfairness. You should give it to every news organization at the same time so that they're able to, as you say, analyze it in each in real time and not one, uh, particularly, especially someone who is not considered to be a journalist, to be able to disseminate it and give his take on it. Don Lemon. That's Don Lemon complaining. He complained about Tucker Carlson's journalistic standards. Captain Nikki Haley is past her prime because she's 51 years old. Don Lemon. Don Lemon, I'm an objective journalist. 
But also, Donald Trump is a racist, a terrible, terrible racist. I mean, again, the reason that it was revealed to Tucker Carlson, presumably, is because, let's be real about this, Kevin McCarthy and the rest of the House Republicans were quite afraid that the, the Democrats on CNN would presumably cover up the footage because Democrats in the, in the actual House covered up the footage and the Democrats in the media work hand in glove. By the way, I didn't see CNN clamoring for the full footage when Democrats were in charge of Congress. I didn't see them. Uh, was CNN, did I miss the part where CNN and MSNBC were going to the January 6th committee and saying, guys, we need to see the full footage. Like, we want to check your work. Can you give us access to the full footage so that we can actually see what you are doing here? What I recall is that anybody even asking for the full footage was treated as some sort of bizarre conspiracy theorist by the media. How dare you ask for the full footage? The full footage isn't going to show up. We have to trust our elected leaders. And there is the best way to undermine trust in this country right now is to make outlandishly large claims and suggest that the evidence supports those claims. And then it turns out that you've been hiding crap the whole time. And it's, again, it doesn't mean that January 6th was a wonderful bed of roses. It doesn't mean that everybody who's currently in jail for January 6th deserves to be free. It doesn't mean that Donald Trump was telling the truth between November 4th and January 6th because he wasn't. It doesn't mean any of those things. However, what it does mean is that when you draw a giant narrative the country was on the verge of overthrow by QAnon Shaman, who's being guided around the Capitol building by police officers. And when you suggest that, that an officer who became the face of the murderous rampage, because, of course, he was the only officer who could be, quote unquote, directly linked to the riot, who was killed. When you say that, and then you don't actually show the video evidence of him walking around looking pretty good, like right after. Of course, that undermines your case. And you knew that when you hit it. Yes, it's a story. Yes, it's a very, very big story because cover-ups are a big story even if the cover-up isn't of the entire event, even if it is just of how the public perceives the event and the images that you chose to make the forefront of the event in the first place. Now, speaking of cover-ups, it is the, the, continuing, the continuing democratic media complex attempt to cover up narratives that are unfriendly to left-wing ideas. Is, it, it's astonishing. Again, the same people, Don Lemon over at CNN. Why, won't the, why did the House Republicans only give the footage to Tucker Carlson? Maybe because you are as biased in your way as Fox News is in its way. And Tucker's pretty obvious about his biases. Tucker doesn't pretend to be an objective journalist. CNN does pretend to be objective journalists. But as it turns out, the objective journalismers over at CNN tried to quash any investigation into, for example, the COVID lab leak theory. According to foxnews.com, CNN has long referred to itself as the most trusted name in news and famously launched a fast-first campaign during the Trump era. But like many other outlets, that sentiment fell by the wayside when it came to the COVID lab leak theory. In the early months of the pandemic, then-CNN President Jeff Zucker would not allow his network to chase down the lab leak story because he believed it was a, quote, Trump talking point, according to a well-placed CNN insider. People are slowly waking up from the fog, the insider told Fox News Digital. It's kind of crazy we didn't chase it harder. Throughout Zucker's tenure as CNN chief, he pulled what was once widely seen as a straight news organization into an anti-Trump operation. Apparently, on March 28, 2020, CNN's Oliver Darcy published a story headline, Here's How to Debunk Coronavirus Information and Conspiracy Theories from Friends and Family. And that article said, while the coronavirus pandemic has isolated friends and family out inside their homes, it has in many cases increased online or over-the-phone communication with loved ones. But in some cases, relatives and friends share poor information. Whether it is bad science related to how to prevent the virus, debunked rumors about cities being put on lockdown, or conspiracy theories about the origins of COVID-19. Darcy's admonition came as CNN was one of the many mainstream outlets to declare the lab leak notion utterly preposterous. CNN host Fareed Zakaria said that uh, the far right has now found its own virus conspiracy theory while talking about the possibility 
of a lab leak. On February 18th, 2020, CNN published a facts-first examination of claims made by Senator Tom Cotton, who was one of the big supporters early of the lab leak theory. And CNN insisted it's possible but unlikely that the lab was connected to the start of the outbreak. CNN anchor John Vallis called Cotton's theory misinformation. So if it's true that Jeff Zucker thought that this was a Trump narrative and so they never chased it down, well, that would answer a lot of questions about just what kind of place CNN is. And again, meanwhile, the, the Democrat media complex is undefeated or the Democrat deep state complex. So the same exact people at CNN, the same kinds of people at CNN who are shutting down investigation into the lab leak theory while informing you that they were they're being perfectly transparent of everything COVID related. I'll tell you who else is not transparent. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the great and sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci. He who must be tributed with votive candles. According to Miranda Devine, reporting for The New York Post, new emails uncovered by House Republicans probing the COVID-19 pandemic reveal the deceptive nature of Dr. Anthony Fauci. They show that he prompted or commissioned and had final approval on a scientific paper written specifically in February 2020 to disprove the theory that the virus leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Eight weeks later, Fauci stood at a White House press conference alongside President Trump and cited that paper as evidence the lab leak theory was implausible while pretending it had nothing to do with him and he didn't know the authors. He said April 17th, 2020, there was a study recently where a group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences in bats as they evolve and the mutations it took to get to a point where it is now totally consistent with the jump of species from an animal to a human. So the paper will be available. I don't have the authors right now, but we can make it available to you. That paper, titled The Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2, was sent to Fauci for editing in draft form and again for final approval before it was even published on February 17, 2020 in Nature magazine. It was written four days after Fauci and then NIH boss Dr. Francis Collins held a call with the four authors to discuss reports that COVID-19 may have leaked from the Wuhan lab. Apparently, the House Oversight Subcommittee published emails in which the paper's co-author, Dr. Christian Anderson, admits that Fauci prompted him to write the paper with the goal of disproving the lab leak theory. I mean, that's an amazing thing. So basically, Anthony Fauci oversaw, he prompted and oversaw a paper dismissing the lab leak theory and then went out and touted the paper without admitting that he prompted and oversaw the paper. But with these are the people we should trust. You wonder why conspiracy theories are blooming? Maybe it's because the conspiracies sometimes seem to be kind of true. It sometimes seems to be that you guys are hiding things that our experts think that you are too stupid to be given the full information. And so they just hide it from you. You wonder why conspiracy theories seem to be blooming about everything? Because there's this tendency towards secrecy because the American public can't be trusted with information. Only the good people can be trusted with the information. Only Dr. Anthony Fauci, only CNN, only the members of the January 6th committee, only they can be trusted with the good information. And by the way, if there is a story that cuts not in favor of the left, well, then we just downplay it or we don't cover it very much. So for example, I don't know how much you've seen about this amazing act of terrorism over in Atlanta. CNN is, is reporting on it, although they are um, not being particularly clear about where it came from. Quote, police say at least 23 people will face domestic terrorism charges after they were arrested Sunday amid violent protests at the site of a planned law enforcement training facility in Atlanta, dubbed Cop City by opponents who claim it would propagate militarized policing and harm the environment. Authorities said that violent agitators attacked police officers and construction equipment with Molotov cocktails, commercial-grade fireworks, bricks, and large rocks. Footage from the area shows a construction tractor was set ablaze and smoke billowing into the air. At least four other fires burned in and around the fence site as people dressed in black swarmed both sides of a police barricade before additional officers arrived. Surveillance videos released by the Atlanta PD show. Some 35 people were detained. 
Only two of those arrested were from Georgia. The rest hailed from places as far as Maine and Arizona. This was obviously Antifa-associated. Atlanta Police Chief Darren Sheerbaum said, this is not a protest. This is criminal activity. The charges that will be brought forth will show that. Police in a statement said officers exercised restraint and used non-lethal force to make the arrest. Protesters will not be deterred, according to the leader. This was all about, apparently, going after the cops for killing a 26-year-old protester named Manuel Esteban Pais Teran. By protester, they mean, in the case of Teran, somebody who's threatening the cops. According to CNN itself, back in January, officers spotted someone in a tent in the woods and gave verbal commands. The person did not comply and shot a Georgia State Patrol trooper. Officers returned fire, fatally wounded the person who was identified as Tehran. A handgun recovered from the individual's possession matched the projectile from the trooper's wound. But this is apparently a, a protester, according to CNN. So CNN reports that the guy tried to shoot a cop. And then CNN also reported the person's a protester, like five minutes later, in order to presumably grant some sort of credibility to people who are attempting to destroy police assets and harm police officers. One of the people, by the way, who was involved in the arrest, one of the people who was arrested, was a quote-unquote legal observer employed by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh, well, that, that's, so that means that the Southern Poverty Law Center used as a resource by the left on a routine basis in order to malign people on the political right. People will be labeled hate speech proponents by the SPLC. The SPLC is a radical left-wing propaganda group. And the SPLC, turns out one of their lawyers was literally arrested for apparently participating in an act of terrorism, which means that despite the media's attempts to paint the NRA as the font of terrorism in America, the font head of terrorism in America, well, the SPLC has now had more people arrested for actual terrorism than the NRA. And again, the media downplay that sort of stuff because this is what they do. We'll get to that in just one moment first. Are you worried about the country? I'm kind of worried about the country when you see this sort of stuff. A lot of Americans have lost faith in the government, media, and schools. The good news is there is, in fact, something you can do to help the country get back on track. PragerU is an educational nonprofit that's fighting to save the future of the country. PragerU is one of our sister companies. We've been working closely with PragerU for literally years. I've appeared in PragerU videos. PragerU videos can be found also at Daily Wire. They're watched 5 million times a day. PragerU videos spread messages of liberty, economic freedom, and Judeo-Christian values to the next generation. There is hope for America, and PragerU makes it happen. Go to PragerU.com, make a tax-deductible donation today. What do you give right now is going to be matched. It will have twice the impact. So donate 10 bucks, it doubles to 20, get 50, it becomes 100. You get the idea because you can do basic math. Go to PragerU.com, make a tax-deductible donation. Whatever you give will, in fact, be doubled. So go check them out right now. Again, Dennis Prager is doing wonderful work there. PragerU is responsible for literally thousands, tens of thousands probably, of young people actually taking a look at conservatism and becoming conservative. You should go check them out right now. PragerU.com, make a tax-deductible donation today, and that donation will be doubled. Also, folks, did you know that back in 2021, during a five-hour hearing before Congress, Mark Zuckerberg admitted he didn't let his own kids use Facebook, which should be enough to make you think about letting your kids use social media. My kids don't use social media. They will not be using social media, not in my house, not on phones that I pay for. That's especially true of TikTok. Well, there's a new book out published by DW Books. It's written by Bethany Mandel and Carol Markowitz. It drives the point home. It's called Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. When I read this particular passage, well, that just doubled me down on my commitment to throw all the phones away. Quote, TikTok was the center of a 2021 Wall Street Journal investigation, which uncovered how the app targets users with content revolving around sex, drugs, eating disorders, and more, calling it an addiction machine. Investigators created 31 accounts, registered young teens, turned them loose to, quote, browse TikTok's For You feed, the highly personalized, never-ending feed curated by the algorithm. 
The article explained, quote, an analysis of the videos served to these accounts found that through its powerful algorithms, TikTok can quickly drive minors among the biggest users of the app into endless spools of content about sex and drugs. TikTok served one account registered as a 13-year-old, at least 569 videos about drug use, references to cocaine and meth, and promotional videos for online sales of drug products and paraphernalia. Remember, this stuff is by design. There are radicals who want your children screwed up and corrupted. The good news is you can fight back if you know how. Check out the book Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. It comes out today. Order your copy on Amazon or wherever you get books right now. Now, again, when it comes to the media, the media, they look at a story like an SPLC staff attorney being arrested on domestic terrorism charges in Atlanta after like an actual act of criminal terrorism in Atlanta. And many members of the media don't see anything political about that. They, they just they, they don't see anything that, that really is, is worth the comment, per se, about the politics of the SPLC. The FBI, by the way, has used the SPLC as an actual source for who should be considered domestic terrorism, terrorists before, which is kind of amazing stuff. And then you have the media host people like the Atlantic's executive editor, Adrian LaFrance, who says, well, you know, we really don't have to worry about extremist left-wing violence. This is on MSNBC, of course, because really what we have to worry about is extremist right-wing violence. How about this? How about we worry about extremist violence of like all sorts? But I noticed that um, the, the terrorist attacks in Portland, which they were, it was like a months-long terror attack by Antifa on federal, federal buildings. When Donald Trump actually put federal forces there to defend the federal buildings, you guys screamed bloody murder. It was I, when there were mass riots causing $2 billion in damage during the Black Lives Matter riot summer. I, I noticed that you guys had no objections whatsoever. It's that disparate treatment that leads people to not trust you, folks. Here is the Atlantic's executive editor suggesting that extremist right-wing violence is, is significantly more problematic than left-wing violence. You also write about the, some of the violence we saw in places like Portland in the wake of the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, that violence, whatever side you're on, has become, I don't want to say an acceptable outlet, but to some people, I guess, yes, it has been a way to express their anger with what's happening in the country. Right. And, and this is really disturbing sort of the normalization of violence. And, and I think it's important. I want to say that, uh, you know, I wrote about violence erupting from the far right, from the far left. But when you look at what's happening, it really is extremist right wing violence that scholars who look at this most closely are most worried about. And so it's not an, it's mm. sort of that it's equal on all sides. Oh, oh, it's, it's, it's not it's not equal on all sides. You know, it's really extremist right-wing violence that we have to worry about. Well, the experts say so. Yeah, in, in fact, you know what we could do to cure extremist violence? What we probably could do in order to cure extremist left-wing violence is we could be more fair and more just. Because the left-wingers, they're, they're right, according to the executive editor of The Atlantic, who blamed the wealth gap for left-wing violence. In your article, you talk about the years of lead in Italy and the violence in Italy in the 1980s. And you write that finally it ended, uh, you know, it was fueled by the a poor economy and then people got sick of it. What do you foresee in America? Do you think that economic inequality here is contributing to the political unrest? Absolutely. I think you see this uh, again and again throughout history when economic conditions are poor, people often feel like they have no other option but to turn to violence or to an extreme. And so certainly oh. a, a stronger economy and, a, and a, a, you know, less highly visible wealth gap would be better for our country just for people, you know. It's just, unbelievable. It I mean, by, by the way, this itself, is the, this is the actual story, right? Protect against the actual story here. And that's the important part about this particular nonsense is that violence from the left is justified very often by people from the left because after all, their agenda is okay. 
their agenda is okay. So, so, and what that means that if the agenda of people who riot on January 6th is not okay, that means that we can exaggerate the stuff that happened on January 6th because after all, their agenda was not okay. So it's about the agenda, not the violence, according to the great arbiters of morality in our country right now. Well, hilariously, what this is leading to is a sort of crack up inside the Democratic Party right now. So there was a bill that came up in Washington, D.C. that would have essentially pushed criminal justice reform, meaning they would have loosened all the restrictions on criminal activity in Washington, D.C. There was a, a D.C. local government criminal code, and it was going to loosen a lot of the restrictions on crime, including, for example, carjackings. It was going to relax penalties for carjacking. So their solution to everybody in D.C. being carjacked lately is that they're going to make it so that carjacking just isn't a crime. Boom, no more carjacking because it doesn't exist because we don't call it carjacking anymore. Here was a D.C. councilwoman defending the policy to basically decriminalize, in some ways, carjacking. This is Janice Lewis-George. And this legislation would lessen the penalties for carjacking. It wouldn't decriminalize it, but it would lessen the mandatory minimums. That's right. And this comes as crime is rising in D.C. Don't the people of D.C. need a council focused on protecting them and not making it easier for carjackers to get back on the street? That is an inherently violent crime. That's correct. I, it's true, like cities across the country, if, uh, we're experiencing a crime surge that needs to be urgently addressed. But we have decades of data showing that long sentences do not deter crime. What actually deters crime is the likelihood that someone will be caught and prosecuted, not the lengthy sentence. D.C. already has a higher incarcerate, incarceration rate than any state in America. And so if long sentences prevented crime, we would already be the safest city in the nation. OK, so they're defending it. But Joe Biden didn't actually defend this policy because Joe Biden, at least he has his political life in his hands still. And so hilariously, Joe Biden could allow the criminal code to take effect by vetoing a measure running through Congress, but he's not going to veto it. Instead, he's going to allow Congress because Congress has plenary power over the District of Columbia. It's a federal district. Congress has said we are going to not allow this sort of criminal justice reform, quote unquote, in D.C. And Joe Biden is going to go along with that because it turns out that reality actually sometimes sets in. By the way, speaking of reality setting in, this is hysterical. This is really, really funny. So according to The New York Times, Joe Biden is now considering reinstating detention of migrant families. Slow clap for Joe Biden gradually turning into Donald Trump. Slow clap for all the media who said, where's, where's AOC in her white outfit weeping in front of an empty parking lot? Where is she? Where is she? Gazing into the camera, giving, that, giving the face. Where is she? No one knows. I mean, obviously, it was a human rights violation when Trump was doing it, according to the media on the left. Now Biden's doing it, so apparently it's good now. According to the New York Times, the Biden administration is considering reviving the practice of detaining migrant families who cross the border illegally. The same policy the president shut down over the past two years because he wanted a more humane immigration system. Officials familiar with the discussions said on Monday, although no final decision has been made, the move would be a stark reversal for President Biden, who came into office promising to adopt a more compassionate approach to the border. Well, it turns out that your compassionate approach was garbage. It was garbage. And we ended up with an unprecedented wave of illegal immigrants crossing the border. And so now you're... Kind of be, it's man. The the great irony is when at the end of this Scooby Doo episode they remove the Biden mask and it's just Donald Trump underneath. It's like I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those dumb kids. Like what? Well, it's gonna be amazing. Like basically, Joe Biden's having to come back around to all of uh, Joe Biden's coming back around to all of Donald Trump's border policies, like all of them. And the media are like, well, you know, he just had to do it. <laughs> oh, you guys are so dishonest. You were dishonest when Trump was president, and now that Joe Biden is doing the same stuff as Trump, the dishonesty runs very, very deep. 
The Biden administration, according to the New York Times, has largely ended the practice of family detention, instead releasing families into the United States temporarily and using ankle bracelets, traceable cell phones, or other methods to keep track of them. They weren't keeping track of them. The administration has turned to a more restrictive measure as it struggles to handle a rise in migrants, fleeing authoritarian governments and economic ruin in their countries. Officials also fear a surge at the border after May 11th, when Title 42 ends. So apparently, this is going to um, allow for the re-detention of families. The White House declined to comment, but administration officials reject any comparison to Mr. Trump and said Biden's policies are focused on finding ways to decrease the number of illegal crossings and expand migrants' abilities to seek legal pathways. So it's not like Trump, except that it's exactly like Trump. So yeah, great job, guys. Great, great job. Okay, meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to do battle with the real world. Staircases and teleprompters are, are are his real problem. So this brings us to our latest episode of Joe Biden versus the teleprompter. Fight! Fight! Yep. So here we go. Yesterday, um, he was talking about how one time he had brain surgery and things went wrong. And I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a, a, uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times, (laughs) see if I had a brain. The answer, unfortunately, the test came up negative. There was no brain. Uh, and just to prove that, he then got lost on stage, did Joe Biden. So teleprompter KO, first round KO for the teleprompter. Here is uh, here is Joe Biden getting lost on stage as per usual arrangement. Uh, I, I love when they bring up the Hail to the Chief music, and then he's like, I don't know where I got so I'm just going to jet on over here. Watch out for the stairs, Joe. Watch out for the stairs. Every time that dude goes down a staircase, it's like watching the Wallandas cross a tightrope across a volcano. Because... He just keeps falling up the stairs. He doesn't even fall downstairs anymore. He's so bad at stairs that he falls up the stairs. Remember that time when Donald Trump went down a ramp and they made fun of him for going down a ramp for like a month and that became like a staple gif on on Twitter was him going down a ramp? Joe Biden has fallen down on stairs, I believe, three times as president of the United States. And everybody's like, well, you know, he does fall down stairs a lot. He's probably fine. He's probably good. Joe Biden isn't the president at all. Here's Joe Biden falling up the stairs again. There he goes. He's going up the stairs very slowly, but the stairs up. Oh, there he goes. He's just stumbling on the stairs. Oh, man. They, they, you know what? Bowed but unbroken, Joe Biden. The stairs took a jab to the, the stairs took a jab at him and kind of stumbled there, but he didn't go down. Didn't go down. So he might have been knocked out by the teleprompter, but um, he was merely staggered by the stairs. Well, the good news is backing up Joe Biden is the greatest of all political candidates, Kamala Harris. So this brings us to our latest episode of Deep Thoughts with Kamala Harris. And now, Deep Thoughts with Kamala Harris. Can we have some um, thoughts from Kamala Harris about water policy, please? Like things she loves. She loves Venn diagrams, electric buses, loves... Turns out there's another thing that Kamala Harris loves. I don't know whether it's Doug Emhoff or not. Whatever's going on between him and Jill, that's their business. They're adults. They're grown, grown-ass adults. But here is, a, here is Kamala Harris talking about her love for water policy, which um, did not know that. So think about what this means. This infusion of such a substantial amount of resources, which also, by the way, will spur private investment that will then incrementally... Mm. And, and actually exponentially 
grow that number and what mm. an impact we can have to really fast forward what is long overdue um, on a number of issues that are, is both about what we'll do around greenhouse gas emissions, what we will do around water policy. I think we're going to talk about that. I love water policy. Let's talk about that a lot. Um, it can be you know, what dry, but very important. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That lady loves water policy. Loves it. Gray water, green water, all water. Loves the water policy. Uh, also, she, um, but that, that wasn't our only deep thought with Kamala Harris. She also had thoughts about conservatives during this event in which she praised water policy for its, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal fascination. Uh, here was Kamala Harris talking about why she didn't become a conservative when she was young. Uh, and, uh, and also having whatever disorder afflicted Joaquin Phoenix in the last Joker movie. In fact, I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's, why are conservatives bad, mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. (laughs) I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, sorry. Wow. She is, she is, man. She is a comedic. She's like Dave Chappelle out there. Uh, she, she was like a child and she didn't understand that conservatives are bad because they, they want to conserve. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, no, they are going to keep Joe Biden's taxidermy bottles stapled, his body stapled to that gurney. They're just going to keep, they're going to wheel that sucker around. His face ain't going to move. They're going to check inside his head. Ain't going to be a brain there. It's going to be stumbling upstairs and they're going to be like, I don't care what we have to do. This dead corpse is going to remain president of the United States because they cannot have Kamala Harris as president of the United States. Alrighty, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things I like today, I do love when the mask comes off for the left and you just see the insane hypocrisy of the left. So let us take an example today. That example is the contrast between Ron DeSantis in Florida and Gavin Newsom in California. So Ron DeSantis in Florida, according to NBC News' presidential historian, Michael Bachelot, who, by the way, writes speeches for Joe Biden, like, Bishloss apparently bonds with Joe Biden. There's an article about this. He bonds with Joe Biden over how much they love Joe Biden. I'm not kidding. There was an actual article that talked about how, like, the real bonding experience was talking about how awesome Joe Biden is. That is Joe Biden's favorite topic. Well, Bishloss still appears as some sort of insightful commentator on MSNBC on a regular basis. Those, he's a historian and not a propagandist. But he says that Ron DeSantis is like Mussolini. Uh... I live in Florida. Ron DeSantis is not like Mussolini, man. I mean, I don't, like, how is he a historian? Read another book. I mean, it's amazing. All they can come up with whenever they don't like somebody, it's like they're Hitler or they're Mussolini. Right? Hitler was the, the worst fascist because of Holocaust, and Mussolini was the second worst fascist because he's a fascist without the Holocaust. And so those are the only two comparisons. When there is a right-winger they don't like, he is Hitler or he is Mussolini. There is no third place. Stalin and Mao don't exist in their lexicon because Stalin and Mao were left-wingers, and they don't really want to talk about that because that's real awkward because Stalin and Mao were really, really, really evil. But instead, they go directly to Mussolini. Now, what exactly makes Ron DeSantis, the governor of a state that he just won by 20 points and who has ensured that his citizens do not have to mask and do not have to vax, and who has maintained law and order in the state while allowing for civil liberties to continue, and who has made sure that your kids aren't indoctrinated in school, and in fact, is attempting to grant school vouchers to all parents. How is that like Mussolini? He doesn't explain, but that, that is the new narrative because the media are, they're terrified of DeSantis. I, let's, let's be real about this. The media are begging for Trump. They think it's better ratings. 
and because they think that Trump is more beatable than DeSantis. So they are trotting out all the narratives early. I told you this, as soon as Trump became not president, literally that moment, the next Republican that they saw looming on the horizon was going to become worse than Trump, trademark sign. Worse than Trump. So here we go. But the even more dangerous thing, Stacey and Michael, is that, you know, people who try to get a nomination in parties, you know, do it by trying to appeal to what they think will work. Well, look what Rick DeSantis has done in Florida. He was known as sort of a nondescript uh, political leader, member of Congress. Suddenly, he really has tried to turn himself into sort of a local Mussolini in Florida with the book banding and the brutal tactics. And even this week, this suggestion that bloggers have to register with the state for the honor That's of not writing even about true. the governor and other, other political leaders. We have to call this what this is. He's this is fascism f- and authoritarianism. Fascism and authoritarianism. What a historian. What an amazing historian is Michael Bischloss. That dude should not be on TV. He is garbage at his job. Hey, let me just name the things that are wrong with the things that he said right there. Just in one clip. How long was that clip? That clip is like, I'm just going to look up the length of that clip of moron Michael Bischloss. That clip is 45 seconds. In 45 seconds, he number one labeled Ron DeSantis Rick DeSantis. So he starts He starts off, Captain, Captain History over here, with Rick DeSantis. Then he says that he is like a local Mussolini. Uh-huh. Yeah, Because uh, that's what Mussolini was famous for. He was famous for winning elections by 20 points and then expanding the freedom of the people who lived in his state. Totally famous for that. Then he suggests that he wants to ban books. Bullshit. Not true. Ron DeSantis has never attempted to ban books in the state of Florida. You can get any book you want in the state. I know because I can buy any book I want in the state of Florida. True. I can order anything off. There's no cop at my door who's looking at my Amazon packages. I can order whatever book I want in the state of Florida. What he says is that third graders should not be treated to genderqueer in which they are watching two dudes engage in anal sex in their school library book. Like that's that's what Ron DeSantis has said. And you are like, oh, well, you know, he is banning books. Okay, so. Rick DeSantis, Mussolini, banning books. And then he says that Ron DeSantis wants to have all bloggers in the state of Florida register with the government if they cover him. False. There's one Florida state senator who has proposed that bill. There's not one iota of evidence that Ron DeSantis supports that bill or even that any other state senator in the state of Florida supports that bill. In fact, most Republicans in the state have called for that bill to be withdrawn because it's stupid. That is four lies in 45 seconds from the great presidential historian, Michael Bischloss, who writes speeches for the current president of the United States. I love when the mask comes off. I do. I love it when the mask comes off because they're so full of it. They're so unbelievably full of it. And my favorite thing, you know how full of it they are? So what they say is that Ron DeSantis is super bad. Ron DeSantis is super bad because, for example, he went after Disney. And he went after Disney because Disney decided to inject itself directly into the politics of the state, despite the fact that they are just a corporation who is there to protect children's innocence. And they decided instead to inject themselves in the Parental Rights and Education Act. And so Ron DeSantis is is apparently super duper duper terrible. In fact, Ron DeSantis is so terrible because he is calling on corporations not to get political. And and he's injecting himself into corporate decision making that the entire left is now injecting itself into corporate decision making. So Gavin Newsom over in California, remember that time that Ron DeSantis said that Disney wouldn't get special tax breaks? He wasn't like banning them from the state. He wasn't saying they can't say what they want to say. He was just saying, you guys get no special tax breaks. Your special tax district goes away because if you want special treatment, well, then you have to be apolitical. If you want to be political, then you don't get special treatment. And well, now over in California, Gavin Newsom is targeting Walgreens. Gavin Newsom has now said that they will not, the state of California will not do any business with Walgreens. Why? Why will the state of California not do any business with Walgreens? Because Walgreens said it's not going to distribute abortion medication in 20 states. 
That does not include California, by the way. They'll still distribute mifepristone, the, the, an abortion drug, in 20 states, apparently including California. And he's like, we still won't do business with them in California. But he's a hero. He's a hero of the Republic, is Gavin Newsom. Not only that, people in the media are calling on MLB. They, they didn't get enough of MLB uh, getting, its, getting its butt kicked around the block over the Georgia voting nonsense. You remember that MLB withdrew the all-star game from Georgia, from Atlanta, Georgia, because of the lie that, that Joe Biden, the overt, absolute lie Joe Biden was telling about how Jim Crow 2.0 was on the verge of happening in Georgia. And then the election happened, and you literally could not find a black voter in the state of Georgia who did not have the ability to vote. Did not exist. It was just nonsense. You remember that MLB completely beclowned itself on that one. Well, now Kevin Blackstone, who is a clown, Writing for the Washington Post says, baseball can no longer ignore Ron DeSantis' culture wars. So he says that it's time for baseball and its 15 franchises that started spring training last month in Florida to consider making the annual exercise an all-Cactus League affair as long as DeSantis commands an attack on diversity. So what that means is, presumably, that everybody should move over to Arizona. They should just move to Arizona because they don't like Ron DeSantis. Yeah, let's see if that works out well for you. Seriously. Let's do it. Find F around and find out. Do it. Let's find out how, how well that works for you. Let's see if MLB decides to decamp from Florida and Georgia. Good luck with that. But that's Kevin Blackstone shtick. That's Kevin Blackstone shtick. It's a, again, a corporate involvement from the left. Totally, totally fine. Corporate involvement from the right just saying don't get political. Not saying get political. The opposite, saying don't get political. That's really, really bad. Well, that would be the reason why Ron DeSantis was over in California mocking Gavin Newsom the other day, as well he should. I know you guys got a lot of problems out here, but your governor's very concerned about what we're doing in Florida, so I figured I had to come by. Okay, that, that, is, uh, that is correct. He, he is, uh, Gavin Newsom, it is amusing that Gavin Newsom continues to run for president just assuming that Joe Biden is dead. Um, this, uh, that, that, that continues to amuse. Okay, time for a couple of quick things that I hate. Okay, goody, goody gumdrops. We have more heroic parenting. So much heroic parenting. Heroic parenting, whereby parents deem themselves heroes by completely screwing up their kids for life. It's really exciting stuff. According to US Magazine, Us Magazine, proud mom, Heather Dubra announced her 12-year-old child has come out as transgender. 12. 12. You're a terrible parent. Sorry, you are. Number one, nothing your 12-year-old child does should be public, ever, under any circumstances. As a rather public figure, there are zero pictures of my kids online. There's a reason for that. My kids are kids. They deserve their privacy. Them being in the public eye is wrong. Forget, no matter what they do, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. Shouldn't be in the public eye. Certainly, your gender confusion should not be in the public eye. Also, it turns out that when you indulge your child in the bizarre fantasy that they can be a member of the opposite sex and start pretending that 12-year-olds, 12-year-olds are capable of making that decision to transition themselves into boys, for example, constructing, presumably, you go all the way through the process, a false penis from arm flesh that will never work properly. You will never be a man. It's never going to happen. That you are somehow a better parent for this. It's Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Pat yourself on the back as you screw your kid beyond all recognition for life. So Heather Dubrow writes, quote, it's International Sons Day. We love you, our youngest son, Ace. Our job as parents is to give our kids a safe and supportive environment so they can grow up as healthy, happy, confident, independent humans. That is not your job as parents. I am sorry. It is not your job as parents to give your kid a, quote, safe and supportive environment so that they can grow up in a screwed up way. It is your job to provide rules 
and roles and actual guidance. That is your job as a parent. Safe environment would be from outside influences that, for example, teach them lies like you can be a member of the opposite sex. And you do not have a duty to support delusion. In fact, you have a duty to fight delusion in your children. I'm sorry, this is textbook crap parenting. Since Ace is a 12-year-old child with a long life ahead of him, we will let him tell his own story someday if he chooses to do so. So I have a question. Why are you telling that story? I noticed that this is, um, I noticed that, that you posted this online. I noticed. She captioned a photo of the name Ace written in sand on the beach. All we can say is, Ace, we love you so much. We are proud to be your parents. Your brother and sisters love and support you too. Ace is the youngest of Terry and Heather's four children, the couple who married in 1999, also share twins Nick and Max and daughter Kat, 16. And this prompted support from many Real Housewives alums. So we love you guys in age, said Gretchen Rossi. Alex Bellino, who also has a trans son, added, we love you, Ace. Why, it's, it's almost as though, why, it's, it's shocking. By, by the way, why, it, it's almost as though this is a social contagion provided by zero guidance from your parents. The New York native has supported all of their kids as they've explored their gender and sexuality. It's weird how we're getting all these weird genetic bottlenecks, guys. I gotta, I gotta say, the genetic situation here, the notion this is all biologically driven and non-environmental at all, uh, I don't think that's true. I think that is a giant ass lie. In June 2020, Max, who is uh, one of the 19-year-old twins, Max came out as bisexual. Quote, I love you, my beautiful, hilarious, amazing child. She said, I'm so proud to be your mother. Heather captioned a post of the teen wrapped in a gay pride flag at the time. Kat, meanwhile, came out as a lesbian in February 2022. Kat's out of the bag, she wrote via Instagram. Her mother reposted the image, adding, I'm so proud of you, Kat. I love you so much. So, um... This is a weird genetic bottleneck in this family. So you're telling me that this family has four kids and the only one of the kids who is presumably a straight cisgender person is Nick. And that's just because we don't know Nick. Max is gay, Kat's a lesbian, and Ace, we don't know the, the, the fourth kid's name, Ace is a transgender boy, is what you're telling me. So, hmm, question. Question. Like, um... Darwin, do you think that this is like basic evolution? Are we watching here like the evolution in real time of humanity as we enter a new phase of sexual orientation and sexual identity? Or perhaps are we engaged in a mass delusion whereby parents basically usher their kids into gender and sexual confusion and wreck their lives? Uh, because I, I, I'm finding that this is, um, I'm finding it weird to think that genetically speaking, you have four kids and three of them end up as LGBTQ. Just by the percentages, I don't see how that works. Are we? Is it just you and your husband? Like, is it? Is, it, is that the genetic parenting, or is it maybe that when you decide that the height of parenting is you being a good mom, you being a good mom, is to essentially mainline your kids into radical gender ideology and sexual orientation culture that it's that they enter into that culture? Maybe that's what's going on. And guess what? You think these kids are all going to be happier? Are they all going to be happier? This is all genetic, guys. It's all genetic. I have serious, serious doubts. Serious doubts. All right, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 